Uh, this past week, I spent some time uh, with our Southern Baptist Convention. It meets once a year, most of the time around the second week of June. And so we were out in St. Louis uh, to meet for that. And I just want to bring to you just a, a bit of a report. There are certainly other things that happened there. Uh, but I'll say there were five significant moments that I want to bring to your attention this morning from that. If you are uh, new to our church or not aware, we cooperate with uh, 45, 46,000 churches with about five or 6,000 missions. So we have about 51,000 uh, churches and missions that we work with and cooperate with across the world. And so uh, as we gather together as a network of churches, we gather for two reasons. And I often tell people I am committed and convinced that uh, I personally am Southern Baptist by conviction. And I believe we as a church uh, would say the same two things. Why would we be a Southern Baptist church? And there are really two reasons. The first one is doctrinal integrity. Uh, we know that we don't need to just reinvent or create doctrine. There have been plenty of believers that have gone before us from the first century until now, really from creation until now, as God has given us his revelation. And uh, so we have those who have gone before us and those that we cooperate with now that help us uh, to have integrity in our doctrine, that we talk about what the Bible says together with. So that's one reason that we are part of this network of churches. But I would often tell people that we could actually get that in other networks. So while I am Southern Baptist and we do agree with the Baptist faith and message and the doctrine of the Baptist, we could really get doctrinal integrity somewhere else. But one thing that we can't get anywhere else is our cooperation and partnership in missions. Southern Baptists send thousands of missionaries in North America and to the world together. And so we cooperate with some 50,000 works, churches and missions, uh, to support missionaries all over the world. And there is no other mission sending agency like the Southern Baptist Convention anywhere. So I'm convinced that uh, we are and will be Southern Baptist just because we give to a worthy cause to help support missionaries. And as we send them, there are networks of churches that send and support missionaries as well. So as we gathered as a convention of churches, let me show you and just talk to you just briefly about five uh, really significant moments in the convention. The first two are uh, serious, but a bit uh, uh, humorous as well. The first moment that I would say that was... Um, uh, significant in the convention was the first presidential election. Yes, I did say the first. There were actually three of them. The first one was significant in that this year we had three men that were nominated, three pastors that were nominated as president of the convention. <clears throat> one of them, many of you will know, you'll know the name J.D. Greer. He pastors the Summit Church right here in Durham, uh, one of the fastest growing churches in America. Uh, they plant churches everywhere, and J.D. was, was uh, nominated to be the president there. And J.D. Uh, would have been seen as recommending the younger crowd of Southern Baptists. Now, for those of you who are, are uh, aware, J.D. is a few years older than I. Uh, he's a good friend of mine. J.D. is 43 years old. So to say he's the younger crowd is a little not uh, true, but 43. He is in the, the prime of his ministry there at, at Summit. So he was nominated. Steve Gaines, the pastor of the Bellevue Baptist Church over in Tennessee, in Memphis, Tennessee, was nominated as well. Uh, some of you know Bellevue Baptist Church as Adrian Rogers pastored that church. Steve Gaines follows Adrian Rogers there at Bellevue. And Steve was nominated as well. And then the pastor of the First Baptist Church of New Orleans, uh, David Crosby, was nominated. He was nominated a bit late. And so uh, I think most people had already decided with the other two. And so the, 
the, the vote, the first vote, kind of played that out. J.D. got 46% of the vote. Uh, Steve Gaines got 44%. And David Crosby got 10%. Uh, that's significant because I want you to see that what we are struggling with or have struggled with as Poplar Spring, a difference between those who see themselves as uh, the older or, or more established crowd in the Southern Baptist Convention uh, and those who are newer or younger in the Southern Baptist Convention. And uh, they were basically dead even in the first vote. And uh, I said in the early service, I'll say to you guys, this, this idea of those who have been older and established and those who are newer and younger uh, and this disparity, all of the convention would agree that both of these men are godly men. Both of them will lead our convention. We have no problem with either one of them. There's nothing doctrinal. There's nothing in their character. But they represented something that's a newer work and something that's older in our convention. And so they pretty much split the vote. Well, in the Southern Baptist Convention, someone has to have 50% of the vote to be able to become president. So we went to a second election that would be a runoff between J.D. and Steve Gaines. And so that would be my second moment, which would be the second and third, and I did say that, the second and third presidential elections. In the second election, uh, Steve Gaines received 49.97% of the vote. J.D. received 49.1% of the vote. There were 108 votes that were not cast in a legal manner. That doesn't mean that they were voting illegally. It means that they didn't mark their ballot right or they turned in the wrong ballot. Our ballots were numbered, and so they turned that in. By rule, the Southern Baptist Convention has to count those in percentages. So Steve Gaines was, I believe, two votes shy of being elected president in the second vote because you have to have a majority of the votes. Now, let's laugh a minute and say Southern Baptists are the only people that could vote between two people and still not Neither one of them get a majority of the votes. Uh, that's just the voting Southern Baptist. And so we went to a third election. J.D. and Steve Gaines got together before our third election and talked. And J.D. bowed out of the race saying that we need to honor uh, those who have come. And so he said, I want us, if I can recommend for us as a convention to honor our unity as a convention. And so I'm going to bow out and ask you all to vote for Steve Gaines. And so we voted by affirmation at that moment and uh, voted for Steve Gaines as the president of our convention. Church, that's significant uh, because it shows this disparity between newer leadership, older leadership. Uh, but it's significant because at the end, uh, J.D. led our convention to be unified in that way. And so Steve and J.D. were up there together acknowledging that we're one convention. And I just want to say to us, uh, both younger and older, both newer and more established here at Poplar Spring, great example for us as a church to be unified together. Let's pray for that kind of unity, not only in our church, but in our convention. Third significant moment in the convention. We voted on a resolution uh, on the Confederate battle flag. If you're interested in a copy of the re uh, resolution, I have a copy with me this morning. Be glad to share that with you. You could probably Google it and find one if you want it, but I can make you a copy. Uh, we recommended, as a Southern Baptist Convention, the removal of the Confederate ba battle flag. And I just want to quote James Merritt, pastor of a church down in Georgia, and what he said, because I think it helps us uh, lead in this way. And so Merritt said, quote, This is not a matter of political correctness. It's a matter of spiritual conviction and biblical compassion. We have a golden opportunity to say to every person of every race, ethnicity, and nationality that Southern Baptists are not a people of any flag. 
We march under the banner of the cross of Jesus and the grace of God. And I would say to us this morning as a church that uh, what he's saying there is something that's really significant for a couple of reasons. But uh, one reason that was brought up to a friend, by a friend of mine, and that is, do you know a church that's flying the Confederate battle flag? We've removed them years ago. Uh, but more significantly, let me give you some statistics. 20% of our Southern Baptist congregations, we are 51,000 congregations, 20% of them are uh, uh, ethnic minorities, and so are majority ethnic minorities. And so if that's the case, and let me go further and say that over the, fa- the past five years, 50% of the congregations we have planted, that means in Boston where we have worked, in Baltimore where we're going, 50% of the congregations that Southern Baptists have planted are primarily majority non-white or ethnic minority. If this is the case, we would not want anything to stand in the way of the gospel. And so Merritt says, we don't march under any flag, we march under the Bible, the cross of Jesus Christ. And I think he's exactly right. And so he says this, I rise to say, quote again, James Merritt, I rise to say that all the Confederate flags in the world are not worth one soul of any race. And so the, the resolution would say while we still want to honor the heritage, uh, we want to not offend and so recommended its removal. That was a significant moment in our convention. Moment number four. Uh, some of you may have read or heard that our ERLC, that's our Ethics and Religious Life Commission, the cultural arm of the Southern Baptist Convention that, that confronts and interacts with culture most, Russ Moore is the head of that, and our IMB, our International Mission Board, had both on their legal arms um, filed a brief in a court case where uh, a government, a uh, local government up in New Jersey, had blocked the building of a house of worship uh, by uh, uh, Islamic uh, worshipers. And so they had said, we're the government, say that you cannot build this. Well, Russ Moore and the IMB, both of them had led those organizations to file a brief with the court. Now, you may have heard from somebody that uh, they had supported that or monetarily given that. That was a spoof that was on the internet that some of you had heard, and I'd had multiple questions to me about, hey, are Southern Baptists giving money to build mosques? Well, no, but we are standing up for religious freedom. And so from the floor of the convention, Russ Moore was asked about our support of religious freedom, specifically uh, to say that the government should not interfere with even the building of a mosque. My mentor in the ministry used to say this, and I think he's exactly right. Baptists were, were founded and are based on the idea of uh, the sole autonomy, that is that each person not coerced, has the right to worship every person in the world, the right to worship in the way that he or see is convinced in his heart to worship. And Paige Patterson, my mentor, would say, I'll stand beside you with bloody sword if necessary, defending your religious freedom. Uh, but then, he doesn't stop there. He says, then, I hope to be able to turn and share the gospel with you. So I want to make two points that Dr. Patterson would make in his statement, Russ Moore made in uh, his response to this question. First, Our nation is primarily founded on religious freedom and the seeking after religious freedom. And so let's not lose that. I'll go further and say that both our Declaration of Independence and our Bill of Rights, which is part of our Constitution, affirm the religious freedom of every individual in America. And so we should not easily give that up. 
the consequences of us allowing and not and being silent when the government wants to shut down any building of a house of worship, the consequences of that would simply be that next year, maybe next month in New York City or San Francisco, or maybe even right here in North Carolina, the government would then be able to block the building of a Southern Baptist church. We want to stand for religious freedom, and we believe in that. Secondly, I would say, and most importantly, friends, government coercion of any religion never, ever works. What works to change hearts is not you and I working for the government to block the building of any house of worship. What makes a difference in our culture is the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I had someone email me just a couple of weeks ago asking me about this very issue. And among four things that I said to them, I just want to say that the way for us, here's what I said in this email, the way for us to fight against another stronghold that Islam is seeking is not for us to support government regulation and more government involvement in what houses of worship can and cannot be built. The appropriate way to fight against the spread of the darkness of Islam, and I'll add, or any other false religion, is to confront that darkness with the light of the gospel. Church, you and I have the most powerful word, and that is the word of Christ, the word of the gospel in the world, and it is the only thing that can fight back darkness. And so the answer is for us to share the gospel, that we would be ambassadors of the great king. And so that's... Moment number four. Moment number five is not just one moment. It's multiple moments in the convention. And that is this. There was a push over and over in our convention toward and to get us to think about evangelism. Evangelism. Uh, The annual church reports have come out. And our annual church reports for 2015 as churches would confirm a couple of things. Number one, it would confirm that the number of churches is growing. We are planting more churches this year than have actually closed. Now, be clear, there are Southern Baptist churches every year that are closing. They're going out of business, if you will. But the number of churches in our convention is growing. It grew to 51,441 churches and mission churches this past year. Secondly, our present giving to the cooperative program and missions is growing. And this is significant. It is a a great move in our own uh, convention that we're actually giving toward uh, evangelistic and growth efforts. So, uh, some of you would have heard that the Lottie Moon Christmas offering this year was the highest that we had ever given. It was 7.6% higher, which is $12.8 million more than we had given the previous year. Uh, The Annie Armstrong offering, which is for North American missions, uh, is 21% ahead of where it was last year at this time. And all those numbers have not been counted quite yet. And so giving is up for missions, giving is up. And that is uh, great news. But there's troubling news in our convention. Membership is declining in our churches. Attendance is declining in our churches, both in a worship service and in our small, uh, we would call Sunday school attendance. Other churches in their Bible studies or what have you, however they gather to, to study the Bible in smaller groups, those average attendances are, um, are declining. The worst number of all, though, is that baptisms, baptisms are declining, and they're on a, a, a trend of declining. 
Uh, one commentator said, we as Baptists, Southern Baptists, believe in baptism so much and evangelism so much that we named our convention after Baptist or baptism. And we certainly did. But the fact of the matter is we're not sharing the gospel. So as we come to the table in just a moment, I'm going to remind us to share the gospel. But I want us to pray together this morning that God would help us as a church, Poplar Spring, and as churches to be about the commission of our Savior. Do you understand the enemy would want us to be distracted by everything else and by any means possible to keep us from sharing the gospel with our families, our friends, our co-workers, our neighbors, those that are in the marketplace. And it seems to be that he is being successful because we're not seeing people come to know the Lord. And church, that's not because our area is not growing. It's not because the population of the world is not growing. Just a hundred years ago, the population of this entire planet was about one billion people. Now we're pushing seven. Very soon, within before 2050, we'll be at nine billion people in this world. Population's growing, but the number of people that are coming to the Lord because of the efforts of Southern Baptist churches is not. So let me challenge us this morning as we pray. I want to pray for three things as we go to the Lord in prayer. The first one is that the Lord would give us souls for the kingdom. That the Lord would give us souls for the kingdom right here. That He would give us souls for the kingdom in vacation Bible school and youth camp coming up and our children's camp coming up. That the Lord would give us uh, souls for the kingdom in our, in our neighborhoods, in our homes, in our uh, Baltimore mission trip as we go. That God would give us souls for the kingdom.